right now on the Ringer Gambling Feed and all throughout the entire month of August, the East Coast Bias Boys are getting you ready to bet the NFL this season. We're going through each and every single division and revealing our favorite futures, predicting division winners, and even giving you some award winners. Do we think the Kansas City Chiefs will repeat or will they be dethroned? Tune in now to find out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special and to those of you watching the local angle on FanDuel TV. Shield Kapadia here joined by Ben Solak. A lot to get to today. The Eagles trim their roster to 53 players. They make a trade. We're going to talk about all of that. And then, of course, we're talking Eagles defense preview. This is going to be a supersized episode. Benny Souls, how you doing? You got a 53-man roster in front of you. You ready to go? I do. I feel I feel ready to go, though, of course, as every general manager says immediately afterwards, well, this might not be our actual 53. It's probably going to look a bit different. We're still going to work the wires, work the trades. Like, And yeah, you got to. Um, but pretty cut and dry. I thought 53 men cut down for the Eagles. I don't think there were one or two decent surprises. But other than that, nothing tectonic. Yeah, I think especially for you know your, your point, how GMs always say that, that feels especially true for the Eagles. Like, I think they are going to be pretty active, yeah. uh, you know, in the days following when this podcast posts and we'll get to some of those positions. Let's get to the trade first because trades are fun. Even if it's, you know, it's, this isn't like a blockbuster. This isn't AJ Brown, but trades are always fun. Eagles trade for a tight end. They give up their uh, sixth round pick for Broncos tight end, Albert Okwebenum and a seventh round pick in 2025. Uh, Okwebenum, 6'5", 258, ran a 4.49 coming out of college, 10 catches for 95 yards last year, uh, was originally a fourth-round pick towards ACL in 2020. 2021, he has 33 catches for 300 and 
30 yards. You seem to, I mean, you're excited generally about every Eagle straight, I feel like, but this one, I feel like the football hipsters have, have long liked a little uh, Alberto. Yeah. And so uh, I feel like you were probably kind of excited about this trade. What do you think? Well, Okwebunam was just an example of a player who lands in Denver. Their coaching staff changes. There's offensive staff changes. Uh, new front office goes and drafts their own guy at tight end. He just becomes the odd man out. Like he was just not used by Nathaniel Hackett at all last season. Uh, and when he would get out there, would have like good moments. Like when the Broncos played in Week 17 last season. And they kind of were putting out putting out some young guys and just, you know, seeing who could do what. He had like seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown, right? Like, and like, it, it's not meaningless football, but it, it, it's lower stakes football. Regardless, like he, he's, he has more talent than the average tight end three, tight end four on an NFL team does, right? Like he was always just a little bit like stuck in a back corner somewhere because the coach that he was with they didn't want to use him and didn't know how to use him. Uh, so at trade deadline time last year, there were rumors that the Broncos, the Nate Hackett, George Payton Broncos were going to move on from Okwebenam. And I tweeted out like, this is just such a clear, like late round flyer for the Eagles, you know, challenge Grant Calcaterra, challenge Jack Stoll. Like right now, they're kind of just trying dudes out behind Dallas Goddard. Like this is an obvious move. And then they didn't make it. And then they made it this year. So never wrong. Just early on. I was going to say, Okwebenam. go ahead yeah. and flex on your Albert O trade projection he, from yeah. November or whenever it was. He's, uh, he's, he's got better movement skills, better athleticism for his size than both Stoll and Calcaterra do. He's not nearly the blocker that Stoll is. Uh, you're going to worry about him being a liability in the run game if he's legitimately out there above Stoll. But in terms of like creating explosive plays in the passing game, he has that ability at tight end. So that's why you bring him in. You see, okay, if we can get this blocking up to a kind of functional level, then this is a guy that we want to have on the field. Because with the ball in his hands or downfield, he, he's a lot more as a receiver than a Calcaterra is or a Stoll is. Yeah, this is a no stakes trade. I mean, you're swapping yeah. a sixth for a seventh in 2025. So I'm all for it. Like you mentioned, he's at, he's big, he's athletic, 6'5, ran 4'49, has had some production, not Healthy. a lot, but is, tw- is 25 years old. Uh, not going to be a blocker for you. This is a an, an addition uh, of additional pass catcher here, uh, a depth tight end. So we'll see. I will, you know, I, I will keep my expectations in check when I go, all right, Sean Payton did, didn't think he could use uh, this guy. That would make me a little bit nervous looking at some of the lack of talent there with their pass catchers. But like you mentioned, not every player is for every scheme. It's not like great coaches uh, miss on players. So we'll see what he brings to the Eagles. All right, let's get to the cuts. Okay. So here are the players. Well, let's just go. Uh, I'll just go. Let's start with the offense. So let me tell you who they kept here at each position, and then you mm-hmm. can tell me uh, after we go through the offense if there were any surprises. Or we can just do it a position-by-position. Position. Quarterback, Jalen Hurts, Marcus Mariota, Tanner McKee. Yawn. No surprises there. Yawn. Yep. Running back, Kenny Gainwell, DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, Boston Scott. Are we ever going to be able to do a mailbag ever again without having any Trey Sermon questions? What do you think? Well, so Trey Sermon was not cut by the Eagles. He was waived with an injury designation. He got hurt in the last preseason game, which will allow the Trey Sermon truthers to claim that he would have made the team if not for the last the injury in the last preseason game. Doesn't matter why he played the entire last preseason game. All that matters is he got hurt, and that's why he didn't make the roster. Um, you know, they'll try to bring him back. I wouldn't be surprised if another team scoops him up. Like he obviously, like he was a third round pick. He has talent. He had a really good preseason. Uh, the Eagles are perfectly fine at running back. They have unbelievable depth. This is not a surprise. Yes, that one is mostly a yawn. Now an interesting one. Wide receiver. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, 
Quez Watkins, and Olamide Zacchaeus. Four, just four wide receivers. No Britton Covey, no Devin Allen, no Joseph Ngata, no Greg Ward. Am I missing anybody? There were Jayden a lot of Hazelwood. wide receivers. No Jaden Hazelwood. So they keep four wide receivers. The big question, and this is something we discussed previously. I think you were like, hey, Covey's a lock. And I was like, I don't think Covey's a lock. And you're like, who's returning? And I'm like, all right, you're probably right. Covey's going to make the team. And then Covey didn't make the team. Turns out he made the team. (laughs) So uh, we know those four were going to make the team. Do you think they add another wide receiver between now and week one? Do you think they're comfortable with any? I know the answer to this question that I'm asking because I've seen your Twitter timeline. Uh, Who is returning? For uh, for this team, is it a certain running back that you're having visions of being the same returner he was in college? How do you uh, <laughs> were, were you surprised by this, or what's your take on the wide receivers and specifically the returner situation? Yeah. So, firstly, right now the Eagles are at four running backs, four wide receivers, and four tight ends on the 53 man roster. That's not typically the way you build it. Um, and I don't. I mean, like they could probably get away with being four receivers. Like they could. They. I don't know if they necessarily want to live in that world, right? You're one in-game injury away from only having three guys to play and never being able to do anything more than 11 personnel. Like, that feels real sketchy to me. Uh, so I feel like they're going to have to do something at wide receiver on the on the 53, even if it's game day activate Britton Covey, game day activate Devon Allen to be your return guy and just be your fifth body there. In general, like, four, four active receivers feels a little sketchy. Uh, in regards to returner, like, Covey was... Solid. I don't think he was a, a a problem for them. I don't think he like he had he had some good metrics. I think he was probably a little bit worse than the metric implied, but in general, he was like a fine returner. Yes, Rashad Penny set a record for kickoff return touchdowns at the collegiate <laughs> level. Yes, I went back and I rewatched some of them, and I was like, man, I forgot just how fast and big this man is. I don't think they're going to. I mean, they like uh, where's Penny on the running back depth chart? <laughs> if he's running back four, then you have to consider using him on teams, right? If you're going to carry four running backs, the fourth running back has got to play on teams. Um, so him, Boston Scott, I think they'll consider any of the corners, right? You, you, you're, you're a lot of your guys who play corner have some returning ability at some point in their career. Um, there's not, there's, none of those guys have been used at it in the, in the college ranks, but you can try it out. Alameda Zacchaeus returned, I want to say, at Virginia. I know he did like a few punt returns with the Falcons. So you have options. Um, none of them feel great. And I imagine the Eagles are want to be in a spot where they get one of Covey or Allen back on the practice squad and then they start activating them as the fifth receiver on game day. That'd be my guess right now, but I imagine they'll try out a bunch of stuff. I have no idea what Rashad Penny's role is going to be on this football team. He it's could very, have 15 it's, carries it's, in it's week one. He could have one carry in week one. He could be on special teams. He could be not even dressed on game day. I have no idea. That's one. We just have to wait until the games uh, start there. I sort of, yeah, I, I, I think they will definitely be scouring the other team's uh, players who were released and seeing if there's somebody who they like more than those players you mentioned and add them uh, as their fifth wide receiver. I don't, it, that would surprise yeah. me if they went into Bengals week one released with four active wide receivers. Yeah. The Bengals released the, uh, earlier this week, Trent Taylor, who's a, a long time, like uh, backup receiver for them and a punt returner. And he's a, he's a fairly solid punt returner. Uh, he would not surprise me as a signing. There was another name I saw yesterday. Frick, who was it? I can't remember. Anyway, Watch out for the Trent Taylor hype. Yeah, yeah. I'll (laughs) scream it like 28 minutes into this podcast. (laughs) All right. Tight ends, as you mentioned, four tight ends on the roster. Dallas Goddard, Jack Stoll, Grant Calcaterra, Albert Okwebenum. So 
that was a little bit surprising for tight ends. I don't, but they traded for a tight end. So I didn't think they were going to keep any of the other tight ends that were on the roster. Uh, it feels like these four are going to stick. I don't think they're, they're giving up on, uh, on any of these guys, right? These will be the, the four tight ends. They, they cut Dan Arnold. They waived Tyree Jackson and Brady Russell uh, this week. So we'll see if any of those guys return on the practice squad. Yeah, I mean, you just acquired Okwebenom, so I think it gives him a little bit of plot armor in the short term. It's not like Grant Calcaterra has, like, I, I don't think, I think if you have to cut Grant Calcaterra to make numbers work and see if you can bring him back in the practice squad, I don't think you're, like, terrified. I, I, I don't think that's a huge drop, but I, I, I certainly think they don't want to, right? They kept him on the active 53. They played him last year. Like, he's, he's a player that has utility to them. But yeah, um, I don't, it doesn't, Four wide receivers and four tight ends, I want to like preempt this, does not imply some sort of like new dedication to 12 personnel. No, no, I just no, think this is where no, they no, ended no, up no, with no, their 53. No. Yeah. But it, it is a little 100%. bit funky right now to have these, these sets of numbers and they're going to have to do something about it. I agree. Yes. Thank you for getting uh, ahead of that. I don't think it means anything about any of the personnel yeah. that they're going to be playing. All right. Offensive line, Jordan Mailata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, Cam Jurgens, Lane Johnson, Tyler Steen. Jack Driscoll, Fred Johnson, and Sua Opeta. So Fred Johnson uh, got the like a contract extension before the last preseason game, and then I think Sua Opeta was the guy. Where is he going to make it or not? You know, Josh Sills they had brought back. Is he going to make it? So Josh Sills doesn't make it, and Sua Opeta makes it for now as the ninth uh, yep. offensive lineman and one of their depth pieces on the interior. How how long has Sua Opeta been an Eagle? You know this? Seventeen years. Close, a little bit, a little bit too low. It's in the twenties. Um, Suo Peta, undrafted free agent, signed out of Weber State in 2019, and just since then, waived, signed to the practice squad, signed to the active roster, waived, signed to the practice squad, signed to the active, signed to the practice squad, signed to the active, waived, signed to the practice squad, signed to the active, waived, signed to the practice squad, signed to reserve future contract, and now he's signed to the active 53. Incredible run for Suo Peta. Just every single. Eagles offensive linemen that they have, I can walk you through exactly why they have them, right? Like even down to like, oh, like Fred Johnson, like, you know, they love developing tackles and he's got measurables and he's had a nice improvement. And then whenever I get to Suo Pet, I'm like, and he's, they're still just doing the Suo Pet thing. I don't know. He's a pretty unremarkable backup guard and doesn't do any of the other positions and just hangs out as the ninth man. Suo Peta, baby. They love him. I don't know. Uh, I, it, I didn't do an official 53-man prediction. If I had, I probably would have not had Suo Peta on it, but that would have just been tempting fake. Suo Peta is going to be an eagle every year until we die. I was going to say, I, I, I really don't like when like some peop- reporters get on their high horses on this day and they're like, oh, you're just tweeting out roster cuts. Like These are men's livelihoods. Even though I do kind of believe that, I feel like that's kind of like a self-indulgent thing to uh, right. put out there. I have a soft spot, soft spot in my heart for like a Suo Peta type run. You're right. I mean, just fighting for his life to still be getting paychecks to play football. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, kind of just you're just like a survivor, you know, uh, on the right. roster, off the roster. You don't know where you're living in a uh, two weeks from now. Wait, you know, I'm still living here. Your agent calls. Hey, this team's not a tr- like. That is a hard lifestyle, uh, for sure, when, when these guys are in their mid to late 20s and they've played football their whole lives and all they want uh, is to be able to make a living for this for as long as they're able to make a living. So, yeah, I agree with you. Shout out uh, to Sua Opeta. Yeah, nice I, uh, job by him. I'm sure there's a Bo Wolf piece on it somewhere. There's some quote that, that, that Bo would remember. 
But there's got to be something about just how Sua handles himself in the building, right? Like guys like this typically waved by Philadelphia, signed by Pittsburgh, signed by Arizona, waved by Seattle, and they're racking up the air miles and they're living in hotels and it sucks. Sua, they like very clear culture guy because they just keep him in the building no matter what. Yeah, hopefully, like by the end of this uh, podcast, it's not like Eagles have released to <laughs> and added oh. and added Trent Taylor or something. So hopefully, we didn't uh, jinx him right there. All right, so that's the uh, that's the offensive roster. We'll take a break now. Thanks to everyone list- watching the local angle on FanDuel TV. Remember, you can listen to Philly Special on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. To those of you listening, we'll be right back and we'll talk about the defensive side of the roster. All right, we are back on the Ringers. Philly special defensive tackle. Eagles keep Fletcher Cox, Milton Williams, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Marlin, Tui Pelotu, Moro, Ojimo, and Contavious Street. I guess the only one there that was like, mm, is he going to make it? Uh, probably was Contavia Street, the mm-hmm. seventh defensive tackle there. But if you're talking about a guy who might actually have a uh, larger role and we haven't talked that much about him, it probably is Street. I mean, he's a veteran. He had five sacks last year. If you're looking for interior pass rush, uh, a, a rotational type guy, he's that guy. So I guess uh, a little bit surprising, but not shocking that he made the roster. And I think everyone else there uh, makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, and and Street, like... He's the veteran, you know, like Marlon Tui Pelotu, to Milton Williams, Jalen Carter, like Moro Jumbo, like, oh, it's all these young guys. And then Street's the veteran. It's only 27, right? And like he had like he's had a couple like the Saints and the, the Niners. He's had some decent seasons. So you're not even like, you know, oh, just keeping the 33 year old guy around in case the young guys don't pan out. Like Street's still like, um, hey, let's see where these dice land. And like he's going to have at just the same opportunity as like a Milton Williams will to like hey show us something you can get like a couple year contract and get a decent sized deal here um because he's still got like you know a, a few years left of, of, of his prime you would imagine and so uh i wasn't shocked that they kept street again like talking about some of these numbers seven defensive tackles is a little it's more than six <laughs> defensive tackles all right that's a lot of defensive tackles that's a lot of defensive uh, tackles now milton and moro can both be you know four techniques play over the tackle a little bit like big body guys and so like i said i don't think the tight end or wide receiver numbers detail any sort of a commitment to 12 personnel i do think the number of dudes they're keeping and some of the bodies of dudes that they're keeping do indicate some like you know we're going to be sneaky and weird with our fronts more so than we were last year under gannon where it's pretty much like one set of four down fronts one set of five down fronts and that was it I do think there's something there, but that's been since they signed these dudes. You know what I'm saying? Like who they kept is just who they kept. All seven defensive tackles lined up on the, at the line of scrimmage. Just say, bring it. You're not running yeah. the football on us. Are you familiar with the NASCAR <laughs> package? This is the opposite of the NASCAR package. <laughs> this is the just <laughs> slow, mon- this is the monster truck package. We don't go fast in circles. We go big in a straight line. <laughs> I like that. Maybe they'll break that out in week one. All right, edge rusher, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, Nolan Smith, Derek Barnett, Patrick Johnson. Uh, a few things here. There were reports that, hey, uh, Derek Barnett might want to get some snaps this year. And so he is available to go look for a, tr- a way to trade himself. Uh, that obviously 
did not happen. He's still on the roster. Nolan Smith has been injured. Nick Sirianni was asked about this in the presser, and he wasn't like, no, 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 he's fine. He'll be ready uh, in week one. He was kind of like, we will just see about that. So that's something to keep an eye yeah. on. Of course, Hassan Reddick has had the thumb injury, and so that's something else to keep an eye on where we think he's going to be ready in week one. But, you know, that's kind of a, a part of the roster to uh, to keep an eye on there as we look ahead to that Patriots game. Uh, they waived Kyron Johnson. Uh, but other than that, I think most of this at edge rusher was pretty expected. Do you agree? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, okay. I like, again, like Patrick Johnson, I think you keep because he has a little bit more positional utility and drop him in coverage and screw around with him more than like a Janarius Robinson or a Teron Jackson. But he's also got legit talent. So it's not like I liked how Janarius Robinson played in the preseason. He'd be a guy I'd really want to bring back on the practice squad. But it's not like eye popping to me that Johnson made the roster over him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, linebacker. Now, this one is a little surprising. Three off-ball linebackers. Benny Souls. We got N'Kobe Dean, Zach Cunningham, and Christian Ellis, and let's go. That's it. <laughs> That's all you got yeah. on the roster. Nick, no Nicholas Morrow. We know Miles Jack retired. Sean Bradley hurt his Achilles. Uh, this was a little bit uh, surprising here. We'll get to some of this when we do the defensive preview. Do you think they add another off-ball linebacker at some point between now and week one, or are they rolling with these three guys to start the season? Nicholas Morrow was the one where I was like, why? Like, what? <laughs> what does it cost you to keep Nicholas Morrow? Um, and I guess it costs you Mario Goodrich, or it costs you Contavious Street or Patrick Johnson, and that's kind of, kind of the argument. Um, but they signed Morrow like not immediately when free agency opened, but pretty it early. was one of their it was one of their yeah. first free agent signings. Uh, and Morrow was I uh, I did not think played at all poorly in the preseason. I thought he had largely had a good preseason. When I watched his Bears film coming coming from Chicago in free agency, thought he was a totally fine player. I was like, yeah, like, sticking Nick Morrow out there, and you're gonna he's gonna lose sometimes for you. It's gonna frustrate you, but generally he's gonna be rock steady. Uh. If you had asked me earlier today who are they more likely to cut, Nick Morrow or Zach Cunningham, I would have said Cunningham pretty comfortably. Uh, and so I was surprised by that one. They obviously can still bring Morrow back. Uh, it's important to remember that during COVID, practice squad rules were changed such that veterans can be brought back onto practice squads, uh, unlike how it was previously. Always every year when teams cut veterans, I'm like, what are you doing? And then I remember that you actually can bring these guys back. Um, I imagine they'll try to because three linebackers is hilariously poor depth. Uh, and yeah, I, I especially considering the fact that the Eagles, it's not like they have like an enormous nickel or like an enormous safety. Like they don't have like a guy who can like moonlight as right. a linebacker. You're if you carry three on game day, one of them goes down. You're living in in nickel and you can't change it. You're just asking Reed Blankenship and Avante Maddox to play tackles mm -hmm. in, in the box. It's scary stuff. Uh, yeah, so Terrell they, Edmonds is not yeah. that guy, but like if there were an emergency situation or a special package, mm -hmm. he would like his skill set more fits that. that if anyone's uh, that guy, it's guy. Sidney Brown because he's 210 and he yeah, plays like a too. maniac. But yeah, I don't know if know I want to. He's going downhill no matter what. So I don't know if I want to live that life. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I think you want to, again, get a fourth guy who's active on game days. I will say uh, this is a big vote of confidence in Christian Ellis. And given the way he played in the preseason, I, I get how they got there. Christian Ellis had a, as good of a offseason. And, and, and I think... Uh, uh, this is a signal of that as anybody did on the Eagles roster. So kudos to him. Yeah, we will. Uh, again, we will get we're going to do big defensive preview here in a moment. Let's just finish out the roster. Cornerback Darius Slay, James, seven cornerbacks, Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Avante Maddox, Josh Job, Keely Ringo, Eli Ricks, 
Mario Goodrich. Hey, this is one where, you know, you look at it and you say, all right, the training camp and the preseason do matter. I don't know a lot of people who had Eli Ricks and Mario Goodrich uh, on yeah. their 53 when we did these podcasts uh, back in July. I would say Ricks especially uh, is someone who obviously just like worked his way onto the roster and earned a spot with a strong performance there. So uh, seven corners, they're going heavy there. It's uh, Josh Job would be the guy to back up, I believe, the outside corners. And then, uh, although I guess Eli Ricks could compete for that. And then Mario Goodrich is your backup slot. How surprised were you with uh, these seven who made the team? Keely Ringo for the backup outside corner spot as well, I would say. You think so? See, I kind of view that. I, I think I, he's. I think they're going to look at this as kind of like a red shirt where they don't really yeah. want to play him unless they have to. But I could be wrong. I think no. I think I think if in week one, if someone goes down, I think Joe goes out there. I do think that they're going to be keeping a, a weekly idea on like, okay, what do we want? When do we want to get Keeley out there? How can we get him out there? Um, they spent a fourth round pick on him, right? It's not like he was like a seventh round guy, whatever. Like you know, this, this is decent selection. I think they're going to want to get him out, have have a chance to get him out there as the backup. Uh, the thing that just popped to my head once I saw the roster cuts was like, okay, the Eagles are really, they're like, they are taking their their dice rolls on finding the Darius Slay and James Bradbury replacements. Like, they're taking this seriously and appropriately so. As you always bring up with the over 30 cornerbacks, you really can't put too much faith in that. Uh, Slay, Bradbury, Maddox as your starter. The rest of the corner roster is Keely Ringo, who is the number one cornerback recruit in his class, five-star out of Georgia. Uh, Josh Job is a four-star recruit, Alabama. Eli Rex, who was a five-star recruit, went to LSU and then went to Bama. And then Mario Goodrich, who was a four-star recruit at Clemson. They brought in a bunch of guys who said, okay, you, you have physical tools that, you, you, that project you to be able to play at the NFL level. And m- most of you didn't really necessarily pan out at the college level as much as maybe folks were hoping you would. But we're going to bring you in here. We're going to coach you up, and we're going to see if one of you can, can stick. This is, this is four shots, right? This is, this is four, you know, hunting for a bullseye, you know, from, from 60 yards or however many yards you need to shoot a bullseye on the arrow i've lost the metaphor you're, you're taking some big swings if you connect on one it's huge right you have a you have a, a, a cheap starting outside corner that allows you to first you have a lot of insulation from injury to the over 30 year olds and secondly potentially move on from them uh, as they get older and as injuries start to accumulate then you also have isaiah rogers the eagles add this uh right uh, this offseason who like started for the colts and had some good reps like i wouldn't i wouldn't rogers wasn't like a an above average starting corner but he was a, a starting corner in the nfl Suspended for the entire season because of the gambling investigation uh, that came down the mountain for the Colts. The Eagles can't have contact with him this season. He's not in the building this season. He's not working with the team. But starting next year, he will be. So it's, again, it's a dice roll, man. They are very much loading up on the, okay, who can be a guy that we can play at corner 2024, 2025? Because we, we see this, this, this light at the end of the tunnel uh, for Bradbury and Slay. And I think that's, a, uh, that's an appropriate mindset. And I don't mind that they spent those extra positions on corner, those extra roster spots to get ready for that. Yeah, to their credit, they do. They're they're a year ahead on a lot of this stuff. Not all teams operate this way. Specifically, teams in that champion championship window. Listen, none of the, it, it could turn out none of these young guys do anything, and none of them ever start a real game for the Eagles unless there's an injury. But I'm fine with the approach. Like, yeah, sure. Would you like to have a first round pick who you feel great about, and you're like, hey, next year he's going to replace Bradbury and Slay. Yeah, that'd be ideal, but you kind of have to go, you know, you have to look at what resources you have available. Uh, They're taking these dart throws on a bunch of young guys. If one of them works out and it's like a competent starting cornerback, that's a a nice victory, you know, for Mm -hmm. all those dart throws. So we'll see uh, who has to play this year and which of them might have a role in the future. All right, safety 
I think probably the biggest surprise cut here was Kayvon Wallace. I thought he was going to be on the team. They keep four, Reed Blankenship, Justin Evans, Sidney Brown, Terrell Edmonds. How surprised were you that Wallace did not say he, he was kind of on that suo peta, like, I'm not going anywhere, just sticking around, sticking around, even if I'm not earning big time playing time. He was obviously younger and was a draft pick, but uh, I kind of thought this year, especially where they don't have great answers at that position, that he might be someone mm-hmm. who stuck around, but it didn't happen. Yeah, so I, I was surprised. They've been very clear about the fact that they like Justin Evans, right? And so you go, uh, Reed staying, Sidney Brown staying. They they were willing to make that investment in Justin Evans, and then they signed Terrell Edmonds, who probably just, with the starting experience, you just can set your watch to him a lot more than you can to Kayvon. Uh, I've liked Kayvon when he's played. He's been a guy for whom health has been a a, a, a big question mark just because of the physicality and the, and the shoulder injuries. Um, so I was sad. because I, I do like Kayvon. I thought he would make the 53. I think he's better than Justin Evans, but the coaching staff clearly disagrees. Uh, one thing I will say is I now realize the last non-preseason play that Kayvon Wallace may have made in an Eagles jersey is when he and Trent Williams got in a fight during the NFC Championship game, and then they both got tossed. Great, great. <laughs> fun. That, that's, that's a legacy right there. You're That'll out. a trivia answer at some point. You're out in garbage time in the NFC Championship game because your team's winning that much, and you get in a fight with a Hall of Famer and get him tossed. That's good work, <laughs> all right? That's good work from our boy Kayvon. Um, so, yeah. Uh, if... I, I feel squirrely about the Eagles' safeties. Like, I'm, I'm worried about the depth. I'm worried about the roles. If they had cut Edmonds to, kept K, to keep Kayvon, I would have felt that way. If they kept e- cut Evans to keep Kayvon, I would have felt that way. Like, I don't, like they had a lot of guys who are kind of just dudes, and they're trying to figure out how, how that all works together. So that'll be a, a big position to watch when, when we get to the regular season. The one corner I forgot to mention, they, they uh, cut Josiah Scott, who was obviously a guy who played for them uh, last year, but was not, you know, was not somebody who looked like he was making moves this summer for them in camp. And then we got to mention the specialist, Benny Souls. This might be the yeah. biggest news. I should maybe should have led with this. Jake Elliott, Rick Lovato. The Eagles do not have a punter right now as we record this podcast. Do you think it will be Aaron Sipos back at some point? Or do you think they will find a punter elsewhere? I would assume they would find a punter elsewhere. Once So much kicker and punter movement today. What was I going know. on around the league? It was and- wild. NFL teams have just gotten so good at the actual rosters that now they're just really focusing in on specialists. Their roster management is peaking. Uh, they're going to bring in a bunch of guys, try them out. I think it'll be someone other than Sipos because in this case, like the devil you don't know is better than the devil you do, right? You bring back Sipos, you feel like this is crummy because we all know that Sipos has struggled here. You bring in some random second string guy that I don't know from the Seahawks and you're like, oh, maybe he's better. And like, maybe he is, you know, I yeah, wasn't that we great. don't know. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I've been watching the waiver wires and this guy that the Bengals caught. I got nothing on that for you. Listen, this is why we got the punt runs. We got puntalytics. I'm looking at the tweet right now. Ranking punters who whom we believe, even they're even using the whom. Nice job, man. Uh-huh. We believe to still be available. One, Blake Gillikin. Two, Drew Chrisman. Three, Pat O'Donnell. Four, Aaron Sipos. Five, Matt Hack. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Uh, hack, six, hack. Six, Michael Pilardi. So Puntalytics uh, has three guys better than Aaron Sipos, uh, Gillikin, Chrisman, and O'Donnell who are available. Let's see if the Eagles pick up any of those. Are you, uh, are, are you aware of why Blake Gillikin is available? No. Why? What did he do? No, 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 no. no. He, got, <laughs> he, got, he got beat out by Lou Headley. <laughs> 
who's a rookie. Okay. He's 30 years old. What team he, is this? The Saints. If you, okay. if you, if you are uh, available to Google right now, i.e. not driving, you should Google right now Lou Headley and get a picture of this young man. He is a, uh, he punted for the University of Miami. He's, uh, I think he's an Aussie, and that's why he's an older rookie. He's like 30. And he is, when he was punting with the, 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 the <laughs> yeah. Canes, he had a mullet, and he's got two <laughs> sleeves of tattoos, and they go up his neck. He's a oh very legit young man. I'm very happy he won the Saints job. And he's flexing. He's flexing in his picture. Oh, you know what? I saw a picture of this guy earlier, and I didn't know why he was on my timeline, and now yep. I know who he is. Lou Hadley, baby. I did not think he was a punter, uh, to be to be honest, because he looks like yeah. he would be a pass rusher. He kind of looks like Max, like he could be like Max Crosby's backup. You remember, you remember Cassius Marsh? <laughs> he looks like Cassius Marsh. Cash, Cassius, yeah, Cassius, Cassius Marsh. Cassius, yes. Uh, he does. You're right. He he looks like an edge rusher, uh, a tatted up white edge rusher. But no, he is a punter. Lou so yes, so if the Eagles sign Blake Gilligan, they'll be getting the guy who was beat out by this dude, which you have to get beat up. Eagles should have got There's this guy. Why yeah, you get Lou Hadley? In. Yeah, trade, maybe? Let's see. All right, that's the roster. We're going to talk more about the roster, specifically the defensive side of the roster right now. If you listened to our last episode, we did the offense preview. We're just giving you a supersized episode uh, today. We did the roster. Now we're doing the defensive preview. So I have a series of questions for Benny Souls here about the Eagles defense. We're both going to answer them. And that'll be what we think about the Eagles defense. All right, same one we started the offense with, Ben. What is your biggest question about the defense going into 2023? When I was trying to answer this, I changed my answer like three different times. So I'm curious to see what you came up with. So yeah, there's definitely more questions about the defense than there there is about the offense, more personnel change. But to me, my answer is is the same. It is the play caller change. Uh, Sean Mm -hmm. Desai comes in and replaces Jonathan Gannon, who left to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. By the way, trust me, we are aware of the stuff John Gannon has gotten up to. All Eagles fans have been reaching out to us for a Gannon update. That's coming. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Sean Desai is the new defensive coordinator. And there's, you know, it, breaking new defensive coordinator plans to be, quote, more aggressive, end quote, than old defensive coordinator, right? The tale's old as time. You hear it a lot with, 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 um, with coaching staff changes. But here in Philadelphia, it's not like you could be less aggressive than the previous guy. And so I do think yeah, like, not possible. you know. Yeah, I do think aggressiveness is going to <laughs> ramp up a couple notches. I think fronts are going to get more creative. I think blitz are going, blitzes are going to be more frequent. Um, and you're curious to see how that looks. You're curious to see who that maximizes, right? Like this team is just line up and play. And they dominated so many bad offenses last year. This year, they're going to be a little bit worse against bad offenses because they're going to try stuff and they're going to be more dynamic. And they're going to take more risks. But the payoff is hopefully they're going to be better against good offenses. And they have that, you know, September into October ramp up where they're going to have some some growing pains but they're not necessarily playing some some great offenses and then they're going to get the run where they go like jets into dolphins into cowboys into bills into niners into chiefs into cowboys they're going to have that october november run which is going to be such a valuable run to see hey is sean desai really have the goods is he able to call and beat and 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 find ways to paint these these really good quarterbacks in in, into tight corners which uh, there's there's nothing that can make the eagles take a bigger leap as a postseason team than that if they get better against against the top quarterbacks because they had a really lucky run through the NFC playoffs in terms of facing Daniel Jones and Brock Purdy, who got injured. They're not going to get that again. You can't bet on that every single year. You have to have better plans for those elite quarterbacks. That's the plan in Philadelphia. That's the hope that Desai brings that. So to me, that's that's the biggest change. No doubt. You want, like, they're going to get, like, torn apart by some of these quarterbacks, but you want that one or two, whether it's against Dak, yeah. whether it's against Josh Allen, whatever. You want that one or two where you say, ooh, 
okay, Sean Desai came up with something here and that really helped them win a game. Like I just want what we've literally have not had that game in two years against a good quarterback where the coordinator did anything. Justin special. Herbert into Derek Carr, both with 90% yeah. completion percentage. Never forget. And then, and then last year, all you, I mean, you really needed it against Dak in the one game where you're starting Gardner Minshew, and instead your defense has one of its worst performances of the season. You really needed it in the second half against the Chiefs, against Patrick Mahomes, and your defense can't get one stop. So yeah, that is the hope, uh, certainly, with Sean Desai. Uh, again, I changed mine a few times. I ended up on... How are they replacing Javon Hargrave's production is probably my biggest question. Now, I know how they're going to try to replace Javon Hargrave's production, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But I do feel like for a player who is as good as Hargrave, he's kind of warranted the least amount of discussion about, shoot, there's going to be hard to replace. I mean, we're talking about 11 sacks from the interior last year, third in the NFL, 53 pressures from the interior, second in the NFL. Like These are big, big numbers. And then I'm combining that with Fletcher Cox turns 33 in December. I mean, he had seven and a half sacks last year. He had three and a half sacks uh, the year before. And so I just, you know, you can change the coordinators, but the Eagles, the way they're investing resources, it's all built on that pass rush, getting home, being dynamic as they were last year, kind of covering up uh, for other stuff on the roster. So they've got guys, Jalen Carter, Milton Williams, Jordan Davis, maybe Brandon Graham uh, slides inside but again you're i just feel like it's a very very big hole and uh that is going to go a long way in determining uh, how their defense performs is that interior pass rush. all right question number two for benjamin we touched on this a second ago which two linebackers will play the most snaps and how will they perform now how will they perform is kind of relative so i would say either you can say they're going to be uh very above average, slightly above average, average, slightly below average, or very below average. I don't know. Is that a good way to do it? I have no idea. I think I'm going to use whatever <laughs> adjectives I'd like. like you're making these choices for me. You can't paint me All in right. a box. Um, I mean, so N'Kobe Dean and Zach Cunningham, right? Like, it's not... It, uh, so I, went with, I went with Christian Ellis. I was yeah. for the season. Nicobe Dean and Christian Ellis, I'm going to say, are going to play the most snaps. I think I think Cunningham probably starts the season as a starter, maybe gets injured, maybe he doesn't play well enough. But Ellis has been kind of on that upwards trajectory. And so I'm going to say by the time the end of the season rolls out, he mm -hmm. is one of the two, uh, the two main linebackers. That could be wrong, but we only have three to guess from. So this should be a pretty easy uh, question yeah. to answer. Yeah, it, we still have different answers. Yeah, if it ends up Cunningham <laughs> and Ellis, man, that's tough, <laughs> tough, tough luck for the Philly Special Boys. Uh, Zach Cunningham and Nicobe Dean is a funny starting linebacker duo because <laughs> Nicobe is just like short, squat, powerful, and Cunningham is like long and lanky. They got a real burn or anything yeah. going on there at, at linebacker a little bit. Uh, I think Nakobe is going to be a, a, a above average starter, right? Like I think I think Nakobe is going to walk in and going to be able to create plays for. He's going to generate TFLs. He's going to have moments in which he loses, right? He's going to have areas in which his his size is deficient for him. But if he's on the field, he's he's a playmaker. I like what I've seen from him in the preseason. I liked him coming out. That's my expectation for him. Cunningham has always been a guy that is a uh, like a solid role player at linebacker, right? Like he's he's a he's a good run defender. He's got a good nose for it. He can be physical and he can slip into gaps. He's never been a guy who's been in fact impactful in pass coverage, always been a dude that other passing offenses can pick on, and that's not going away with age, right? And so I think that Cunningham's going to, like, I think Nicobe's going to fit your TJ Edwards role, right? Where it's like, all right, this guy, like, generates for us, this guy's solid for us, he's playing well, and then Cunningham's going to fit your Kaiser White role, where it's like, okay, like, I'll, 
there's there's several weeks where I don't mention his name once because it's not a problem. And then there's some weeks where I'm like, man, feels like he's been on my screen and coverage a lot, huh? And that's that's, you know, goes back to your how do you hide your players? How do you generate good matchups against great passing offenses and, and the Sean Desai of it all? Um, but I expect those two to 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 be the um the predominant players. Now, if Ellis can beat out Cunningham into more snaps, that's really cool. Uh, that'll be nice because I think Ellis has a, a a remarkable leg up on Cunningham in terms of his physical tools right now. And if he's beating out Cunningham, that means he's up to speed mentally and he's up and, and, and he's making good decisions and he's and he's comfortable out there. Be a nice boost for the Eagles. Um, I think that that's probably a little bit too far over your skis as far as a projection for Ellis, but I would love to see it because I'm, I'm rooting for the kid at this point. I like what I've seen. So over, so you have N'Kobe Dean, you think is above average, the group as a whole, slightly above average, you would say? I say it's going to be an average linebacker average. group. Okay. Um, I All think, right. I think N'Kobe, like I said, is going to be like a playmaker, but I think he's also going to cost gonna you something. Sh- and Cunningham okay. is at this point, well pick on a bowl. It's, it is known. Uh, and so you're not going to, it's not like, you know, like I think, you have, you have some groups in the league that have like a legit high impact guy. And then you have some groups in the league where like there's just two established starters. And I think both like those sets of groups are going to be better than this Eagles group where there's just like a lot of there's going to be a lot of instability week over week. One thing I will say is that there are a lot of teams that are in like a similar boat to the Eagles here. When you look at like off ball linebackers around the league, specifically when you try to find younger guys there's not like a whole bunch of teams where you say, Ooh, this is the strength of the roster. You know, you've got Roquan Smith, you've got uh, Fred Warner, you got Matt Milano, you got Darius Leonard. If he's healthy, we could probably name three or four other guys, but DeMario, there are Levante. Yeah. But I, and then you're getting to the older guys, right? He, DeMario oh, Davis is 34, yeah, yeah. Levante David's like what? 32, 33. Um, so there aren't a lot of teams that just are like, this is the strength of our team. We got two great off ball linebackers uh, who were, who we really like here. I think I'm going, they're going to be a little bit below average. I don't think they're going to be a disaster, uh, but they're clearly sort of scrambling this summer to figure out this position. You would like them to be a little bit more settled. They had the whole, hey, sign Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham. Now you got three linebackers on your roster after cutdown. So um, they're telling you that, hey, we're scrambling a little bit, trying to figure this out. It doesn't mean it's not going to work out, um, but I just have some uh, questions and you want N'Kobe Dean to stay healthy. You want him to be an impact player. Really, if that happens, you don't care too much what happens at the uh, other spot because it just helps you going uh, going forward. So that that's kind of how I see the linebacker situation. All right. Which two safeties, Benjamin, will play the most snaps and how will they perform? I feel like we've asked this question to each other roughly 17 times this offseason. Let's, uh, let, let's get settled here now that we got week one less than two weeks away. So Reed, for sure. And then after Reed that, for sure, yeah, yeah. After that, I think it's I, I, all answers would be acceptable. I think it'll be Sidney Brown. I think that that Sydney gives you the most playmaking. I think what Sydney does best in terms of downhill, in terms of physicality, tackling, and aggressiveness is better than the the best thing that Justin Evans gives you or Terrell Edmonds gives you. And in the case of Terrell Edmonds, it's that exact same thing. It's just Sydney probably does it a little better. Uh, and you'd like to Sydney to get the experience because you'd like to be able to say at the end of the season, like, hey, we stuck Sydney out there for 17 games. No, it wasn't perfect. Uh, you know, we, we had our issues, but we now at the end of the season feel like we have ourselves a safety that we can leave out there and we can start, right? With Reed Blankenship, you're kind of 
checking your work and seeing if kind of the the the, the moments that he was out there for 2022 are going to translate into 23. And if it does, great. You have your duo into 24, but Reed's only on a three-year deal because he's he was a UDFA. And so I think put Reed out there, put Sydney out there and say, okay, can we get from either one of these two players a clear starter, a guy that we we, we, we can extend when he gets to the end of his deal and keep around long-term? So if we can do that, then we can solve the other one with free agents and with with trades and signings and so on and so forth. Uh, I think Reed is a, a below average free safety in the league. I don't think he's a prohibitive player. I don't think he's a like... You know, the Raiders would put Jonathan Abram back there and you'd be like, what are you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there, I think there's some safety rooms right now that have some worse dudes out there, right? Packers are in, are, are in a bad spot. But I think Reed is like, you know, he's got average range and then like tackling wise, coverage wise, like I, I, um, there's not a lot of impact there. Uh, I think he's a below average free safety, but is a super young guy. And, and, and I don't mind them giving him the giving him the looks. And then Sidney Brown, it's very difficult to know right, what he's going to be. I think that he's going to start the year out below average. And you'd like to be able to get to the point with a second round pick where by the end of the year, you feel like he's average. You feel like he's a starter. You feel like you can stick him out there in year two and feel confident with what he can give you. Uh, so I think his arc, his, his level is going to change as they go throughout the season. I'll definitely say that I expect the third safety, which I would guess would be Edmonds, to get more snaps and a, a more significant number of snaps than like the third linebacker does. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they do a little bit of week three, maybe we try different lineup and we try to figure out something else uh especially as like you get injuries but also as you figure out what exactly your young guys are comfortable doing yeah that'll be f- once the game start like they've tried all these different things in training camp oh this guy's playing here oh they've played three say and you don't know what they actually want to use or are going to use until the games actually start so i have the same two guys as you blankenship and Sidney brown i view them differently than you i like blankenship more than you i think he can be I'm not telling you he's going to be an all pro. I think he can be an above average uh, safety for the Eagles. I think if he were drafted in like the second or third round and you just went by that and his film last year, people would be a lot more bullish on Reed Blankenship. Uh, You know, I'm looking at what the coaches are telling me this summer where he's not really even in competition for it. I'm looking at uh, Bo Wolf did the piece uh, on the athletic that I used to do where you just go around and ask every player, hey, who's who's a, a teammate who you think is primed? For a big year, and guys like Devonte Smith are like Reed Blankenship's uh, playing pretty well. So uh, I thought he played well last year, and I think he can play well for them once again. Here's what I think is going to happen with Sidney Brown. I think he's going to have like a lot of ups and a lot, a lot of downs. Like I think there are going to be oh, weeks yeah. where we're going to be like, "Oh my god, he stuck that running back in the flat. That was beautiful, and everyone's going nuts, and they love him." And I think there are other weeks where we're going to be like. Ooh, dude, if you watch the film, there was like a third down in the second quarter where the quarterback didn't throw that way. But oh, my God, Sidney Brown was way out of position or he whiffed on that. You know, he, he whiffed trying to make a big hit and it turns into an explosive play. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of growing. I, I think we've gotten not we. I think the consensus that like this guy's going to be even a good player is way too far for me. Like he yeah. plays with violence and he's got the sort of makeup uh, that like Eagles fans are like, yes, 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 please be good. Please be good. Please be good. And I get that. Uh, I just feel like there's probably going to be a lot more hits and misses than maybe people are are accounting for here. You just want him to be uh, less Ernie Sims than Ernie Sims and more like the good kind of hard hitting, violent type defensive player. Yeah, the uh, I couldn't agree. That's a really good way of putting it. Like safety is already a volatile position where you yes. have really good weeks, really bad weeks. Rookie safety adds a layer of volatility. <laughs> Rookie safety who wants to play really aggressively is just like, all right, <laughs> we're gonna, we're going to be out here living. Um, and yeah, like the the preseason hype for Sidney Brown, like 
is a instinctive player. He sees in, he goes and he hits it, and you and you love that. You'd rather of a player be too fast and have to take his foot off the gas a little bit than try to make him play faster. But in the preseason, where like a lot of offensive stuff is cookie cutter, like they're not really trying to get you. Yes. Uh, Good that, point. That play translates well. In the regular season, offensive coaches put on a couple weeks of film and go, man, this sucker really likes to, <laughs> right, to close, doesn't he? Maybe we throw a couple things at the young man. Uh, and that's where you, you start to get the other side of that sword. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, right, a, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and accordingly a difficult time calibrating to what exactly caliber of player Cindy Brown is. Like, that's very much what I expect this season. And I was just, you know, reading the the, uh, the beat coverage. I can't remember if multiple people said it or if it was uh, Bo and Zach on The Athletic, but, like, there's a chance Justin Evans is the starter in week one here, which I did not see coming uh, at all. Yeah. So, I mean, we again, we won't know until they put out who the starters are in that week one game, but th- this remains a mystery as we approach the opener here. Overall, I think you're going to get, I think you can get average safety play out of this group. I'm not fully confident in that, but uh, I don't know. I like Blankenship yeah. to be a little yeah. bit better than average and whoever's yeah. next to him maybe a little bit below average and it evens out. If you had to take all the marbles. I knew you were going to ask me this. I knew it. When I said that, I go, oh God, he's going to ask me linebacker or safety. What's, the, what's to, the framing of the question? If you had to take all the marbles, <laughs> all the ones that you got, and put them on either the linebacker group is at least Ooh. average, if not above average, or the safety group is at least average, if not above average, which one are you putting it on? Ugh, I don't like to answer this question. <laughs> I, think I'm, I, I think the right answer is linebacker, but for the purposes of our podcast and this exercise, I'm going to roll the dice on the safeties. And say That's safeties. where all the marbles are going there? I mean, these are theoretical marbles. I don't even have to have them anymore. I don't have to give them up. You're not, you're not holding marbles in the closet somewhere? <laughs> yeah. no, Here's no, the thing. Here's no Moncala board collecting dust do, in the attic? Do you agree with this? I mean, line, linebackers, you can't really hide the linebackers, okay? They're in the middle of your defense. Safeties, if I'm like, oh boy, you can do a Jonathan Cannon and just play them 35 yards off the line of scrimmage and they're not making any plays, but they're back there and you're all good. You can't do everything you want to do, but I don't, I don't even know if I believe that as I'm saying it because yeah. a bad safety if you, usually If you gets run a shot on the side defense, really you ain't no safeties, brother. Yeah. <laughs> they're playing. So, I don't know. All right. I'm, listen, I'm dug in too deep. I'm just going to say yeah. safeties now. I'm and personally on linebackers. Yeah. You're saying linebackers. Yeah, we can't say the same thing. This is the content business. This is podcasting. Yeah. All right. Four. What will we be saying about Jalen Carter, who, man, talk about the hype has really increased here in the last couple of weeks, and Jordan Davis by season's end? Uh, I have some numbers here on defensive tackles as rookies that I don't know if you want right away or if you want to give your answer first and then have me give them. They're not good numbers, right? It's hard. The point is, it's just yeah. really hard to be a defensive tackle Listen. who co- comes in right away and plays good. Just, um, you know, looking at it here, first round picks who are tagged as defensive linemen in true media over the past 10 seasons. So this is going to probably include some uh, some defensive ends here. But over the past 10 seasons, what do you think? Average sacks as a rookie for first round picks who are tagged as defensive linemen in true media. Oh, if, you're, if you're getting some defensive linemen, it's really hard. So you're going to get some... Young guys. No, this, no, it should help you though. No, no, I'm saying first round picks as rookies. So it's 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 no, like I'm defensive. saying if I if I okay. knew it was just defensive tackles, I'd be like, all right, cool, three. Okay. But because you're getting some pass, like actual pass rushers in there, some actual edge rushers, what is it, like six and a half? Three point nine. Shoot. Should have just said <laughs> so three anyway. You should have just said three. It's already low. And then I went through and I was trying to count, okay, which which of these guys are defensive tackles? Aaron Donald had nine. 
DeForest Buckner had six. Ed Oliver had five. Deron Payne had five. Those are the four defensive tackles in the last 10 years who have had five or more sacks as rookies. Five in the last 10 years. So one every other year. Actually, no, you can throw in, uh, sorry, I just named four. Sheldon Rankins had four. So the number's four. One every other year has at least four sacks. So uh, I will leave you with that. Your, what will we be saying about Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis by season's end? Uh, so I comp Jalen Carter to Ndamukong Sue coming out. And okay. Ndamukong Sue as a rookie had 10 sacks and was the defensive player of the year. Woo! That was the best season of his career. He never had double-digit sacks again. Wow, uh, that's crazy. What a number. And he's never yeah. missed any games. I didn't realize yeah. that. That was and his he, career high in sacks was as a yes. rookie? Yes. Oh. Now, he had... Uh, Years with, with remarkably more quarterback hits, right? He had 17 quarterback hits and 10 sacks. And then like later in his career, like 32, 20, 20, 20, 17, 19, 19 quarterback hits, right? Like, you know, he had, uh, he had, he had years where he was more consistently productive as a rusher and just the sack numbers, which like perennially getting eight, six, seven sacks from the interiors he was doing is still like very, very good numbers. Um, I think Carter can be a six, seven sack guy. That would be, that's, that's like... I hear the numbers on the defensive tackle, but this is a guy that I had graded as the best player in the class. Like this is a guy like that we've been anticipating him coming out for over a season at this point. Like this is one of the higher caliber of defensive tackle prospects to come out in the draft in the last decade. So I do think he can be a six sack guy. And that, that that's my hope slash rosy optimistic expectation for him. There's worlds in which Carter has three and a half, four sacks, and we're still like, wow, what a great rookie season. It's just like the sack numbers don't come to you. Pressure numbers being a lot more predictive. QB hits on a line as talented as this. There's a huge value in just like, I disrupt the pocket. I don't let the quarterback escape. And now Josh Sweat has a 12 and a half sack season. And like, I own some of that because I did my job, right? Uh, and so I, I do think he has that, that six sack season in him, but it's not to say if he has three sacks that he definitely underperformed. Uh, Jordan Davis is the trickier one. I think figuring out the the snap count for Jordan Davis is hard just because we know he's going to be primarily an early down player. Uh, we know he was used last year. We don't know precisely how Sean Desai wants to use him and, and if that'll put his snap count number like above 35%. I don't think it necessarily will. Um, but I do think that we will say at the end of the season, more consistently good play from Jordan Davis. I think you've heard reports out of camp and in terms of how his body's built out and how he's playing, that he's the he's taking the Eagles training regimen and offseason uh, approach the way that they wanted him to and they, they feel positively about his growth uh, and so he's a harder one to figure out like numbers for just because carter's going to be on the field on the pass rush downs he's going to be on the field i would say a majority of the downs but davis you don't really know how they're going to use him just yet film wise i think we're going to be happy with what we see uh i was trying to set you up because as you know that i love looking at the historical thing and telling everybody yeah mm-hmm. you might want to settle down about uh I think Carter's going to be the exception. I think he's yeah. going to be really good right away. I mean, every sign you wanted to see, like his college film, I was like, all right, I have no questions about this. I was right there with you. This is the best, uh, you know, uh, take quarterbacks aside. This is the best player at the draft. I don't know enough about the off field to know whether uh, that's going to derail him or not. But no issue so far that we know of since he's been drafted by the Eagles. Uh It's been quite the opposite, actually. He's been out there. He's been practicing every day. No injuries, no nagging injuries. 
maybe the most important thing, the rookie, the, the teammates always know. Okay. So I remember when I was in Seattle, Chris Carson, his first year as a rookie and I'm asking Pete Carroll and he's like, yeah, you know, settle down. And then I'm looking at like Doug Baldwin's reaction after a Chris Carson run. And then I'm asking Doug Baldwin. He's like, Oh my God, this guy's like amazing. He's going to absolutely be our number one back this year. Uh, and Jalen Carter in that piece, I mentioned that Bo wrote Rashad, a lot, basically a lot of teammates said, Jalen Carter, and they were kind of cackling about it. So Rashad Penny, a quote, said, I'm a big fan of my running back room. This is the question is, who, which, who's going to have a big year this year? I'm a big fan of my running back room. I'm pretty sure the running back room. But if I just had to say anybody, I mean, Jalen Carter. And then he started laughing. I've never seen anything like that since playing against Aaron Donald. He's <clears throat> got the intangibles for sure. <clears throat> That's one player, Lane Johnson. I mean, they just it, you go read that piece. I mean, it was like overwhelming in favor of Jalen Carr. So I see the talent. I see what the teammates are saying about him. I think the playing time is going to be there. And I think he's going to be an exception. I'm not telling you he's going to be Javon Hargrave from last year. You're saying, Shield, you just told me interior pass rush was your question. And yeah, it is. But I really see the ceiling with him uh, and the chance that we're talking like this is the defensive rookie of the year and the, and the Eagles. Like I can just see the stories, Howie Roseman just texting, you know, Adam Schefter and, hey, you guys want to tweet something out about how I got this guy uh, where I did in the uh, first round? You know, we just lost back-to-back games. I need a little love here uh, or something like that. Um, but I think there's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a fun year for Jalen Carter. And I, I really just, on those Tuesdays when turning on the Eagles film and looking at what they do, uh, I really can't wait to just like focus in on him every week to see uh, to see what he's doing. Yeah, I, uh, I was being responsible with my six sack. Yeah projection but that's still like, though to your yeah. point that would put think of who that would put him in company with six sacks would put aaron donald to forrest buckner last 10 years that's it i mean that's shabby yep. yeah that's pretty good but so. uh but yeah i mean like they have the snaps to give him because of hargrave's departure and because of fletch's age that if he walks out in the first few weeks and it's like oh yeah he's getting sacks like he's beating guys the way he beat ben bredesen during the the postseason the preseason excuse me they have the snaps to give him such that he can get legit numbers if his conditioning right. right which is a tricky thing coming from college to the nfl um but i would like to see it there you go uh jordan davis i'm i'm more in wait and see mode i didn't see it you you liked his rookie film more than i did i thought he was a fine prospect i thought it, they were justified uh in their pick but i just need to see him either be a real I don't even know if disruptor is the right word, but a, a difference maker uh, against the run or sh I'm not even saying he's got to show a lot of pass rush juice. Cause I, I don't know how realistic that is, but I just want to see him make more of an impact where I'm not saying, man, they could have really, you know, they could sign a veteran right now or they could, they could have drafted someone way later to do what he's doing. So we'll see. I mean, if he makes the leap now, all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, wow, they, they nailed it and their defensive line is set for years to come. So we'll see if that happens. All right. Question number five. Which newcomer will make the biggest impact and who is most likely to disappoint? This can be anyone uh, who was not a starter last year. So it doesn't necessarily have to be someone who was not on the roster last year. Who do you got? Jalen Carter's going to make the biggest impact, right? Like, we can't say all that and then be like... That's, my, that's my answer, Jalen Carter. Yeah, we can't say all that and be like, oh, if Sidney Brown might really, you know, whoa, crazy. No, if Jalen Carter's got a defensive rookie of the year potential, then it's, it's got to be Jalen Carter in terms of newcomer impact. I do think that N'Kobe's going to make a solid impact. Um, it, it, it's not going to be like, wow, the Eagles linebacking core is so much better than it was last year. But it's like, wow, TJ Edwards walked for a big deal and the Eagles kept the train chugging. I think it's because N'Kobe's going to be able to step in. That would be a huge win. Yeah. yeah and, if he's TJ Edwards, then that's a win. Yeah. 
So I would love to sit up here and be like, no, Kobe Dean, but it's Jalen Carter. Like, that's the top 10 pick. Yeah. In terms of disappoint, it's 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 very hard. Like, I I don't think anyone's going to walk out and be like a total nightmare. I could see for like all of the insane hype that the Nolan Smith pick got because he did fall mm, so far. And he was one. like, OK, like, you know, like Nolan Smith was like, the Eagles might take him at 10 and they got him at 30. And then like he has such sexy preseason moments because he's so freaking quick and he's got such such good athletic tools but like you said he might not start week one like if he's banged up then he, he's gonna be a little bit behind the curve as far as a rookie goes and then like i i don't think there's a ton of room for snaps for him he's not gonna get snaps over reddick sweat and graham to start out like he's gonna be the fourth snap getter and he's gonna be a problem in run in run defense right you put him on the field and i'm the opposing offensive coordinator i'm like all right call the run at three play like if they're gonna put a 239 pound kid on the edge we're gonna we're gonna welcome him to the nfl a little bit um and so i don't i don't think it's gonna be like wow nolan smith's out there and he's bad what a bust i think it'll be more like okay it turns out the eagles didn't have a lot of snaps to give us up a 240 pound edge rusher and they took him in the first round because it's just good business to take guys with this physical toolkit when they fall to you um but this season isn't necessarily the season for him to start cashing in on that check. And so, like, again, like, I, I don't want to say disappointment, but there could just be a slower and longer ramp up period for Nolan Smith than a lot of us are hoping. Yeah, I definitely thought about Nolan Smith, too, just because he, he's injured right now. And is the opportunity going to be there? And those numbers I just you know mentioned where it's hard to have big production uh, as a rookie. I went with Sidney Brown for the reasons I gave earlier. Listen, I hope. I like I and it's not even his fault. I mean, a third round pick who just starts and his average, that's a win as a rookie. I just feel like we've sort of the general consensus is that this guy's going to be a good safety. The whole building loves him. You hear that that no, this wasn't like just one this was coaching and front of scouting and it, like everybody would just fell in love with the guy. And so I I don't know that the expectations are realistic. And to what we were saying earlier, rookie safety, aggressive. Versus good offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, you know, there there could be some tough times there. So that's who I went with. All right. I got a few more here. Number six, who is an under the radar player that you think might surprisingly play a role in whether the offense succeeds or not? Whether who the offense succeeds or not, I would say. Yeah, they're going to play on the offense. So who's going to be the two way? Uh, I threw that in as a curveball. Just yeah. uh, no. That's right. so I'm out here reading these <laughs> questions. Uh, <laughs> I I I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, Milton Williams has a big impact on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, at first, yeah, I think that Milton can play uh, the role he played at Louisiana Tech for this Sean Desai defense, where he's going to line up over the tackle a lot more than he did last season and and provide value as like a quote unquote big defensive end. Uh, and then the second thing is he just played doggone good down the stretch. Like you draft Jalen Carter, he falls you at nine, you love it. You have Jordan Davis, you bring Fletcher Cox back because you brought Fletcher Cox back every single year and he's a culture guy and Jeffrey Lurie loves him and he still had a good season and yada yada, whatever. But no amount of, of crowdedness on the roster can change the fact that like Milton's film December on last season was nice. Like he was, he was making like quality plays at the goal line, quality penetration plays against the run. He was pass rushing well. Like he's, this is a third round pick who's a couple years into his career and this is right around when you expect him to come along and it feels like he's coming along. Uh, and so I don't know if it's injury. I don't know if it's, you know, they just decide to be really rotation heavy. I don't know if it's a, a Sean Desai plans to get him in a specific role, but there's a couple of different ways that Milton plays a little bit more for this team than expected. And if he does, like, I, I really like what I saw from him at the end of last season. It wouldn't be surprised me if he, he continues to make splash plays and impact plays when he's out there. And listen, awesome. Why not? Like, like just continue yeah. doing the two deep thing, man. Continue doing the thing where like, you're always putting guys out there who, who are uh, dangerous with pass rushers. 
And who, yeah, who who knows with uh, with injuries where you get hit, whether he'll be asked to pl- play more. So I think that's a good one. Uh, I went with Josh Job. I don't know. Do, do I need to give the stat for the four hundredth time, or are people like she'll shut the freak up? You, we know what you think about older cornerbacks. We don't need to hear it again. I'll just give it one time for the newer listeners. Last year, three cornerbacks were regular starters on the outside who were thirty and older. Darius Slay, Stefan Gilmore, Patrick Peterson. That's in the entire NFL. Eagles go into this season with two starters on the outside who are 30 years or older. Both played 1,100 snaps last year. 20 game starters. Each of those guys would be great for them if both those guys stayed healthy again this year and their play didn't decline. Uh, but there's a chance your depth is going to get tested a little more. We just went over the depth chart. Uh, Josh Job is the guy, probably, I think, Ben was saying, maybe Keely Ringo as the season goes on. And that's true. Uh, certainly for the start of the season, I think it's going to be Josh Job, And you're going to have to see, can this guy hold up on the outside? Because, man, you have one corner who's getting picked on and the other, you know, one corner who... Uh, is unproven and another corner who's really good. We know what offenses do. They throw at the guy uh, who is unproven. So I think Josh Job is an under the radar guy who's going to be heard from one way or another this season. All right. Number seven, predict one storyline can be anything that you think will pick up steam at some point in the season. I have to start on this one because this one just, this one just came to me. There's going to be a time this season. I don't know if it's going to be, People on Twitter, beat writers, sports talk radio hosts. I don't know who it's going to be, but there are going to be people saying, huh, I bet Eagles fans wish they had Jonathan Gannon now, huh? This will be a thing because the defense is going to go through a rough stretch. There's going to be maybe one of those side-by-side graphics, someone looking to go viral with the stats from last year compared to this year. And I'm telling you, it's going to be really hard for this team to be as good statistically as they were last year. They had 11 players healthy for the Super Bowl. They faced the second easiest offensive schedule. They were fourth in EPA on turnovers. They had the highest sack rate of any defense since at least 2000. Those things are very hard to duplicate one year to the next. But last year, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, was a Howie Roseman victory. Not a Jonathan Gannon victory. He was handed pretty much the best set of circumstances you could ever have for a defensive coordinator. He still got pantsed in the Super Bowl, cost the franchise a Lombardi trophy, and then, by the way, he cost the franchise a chance to get Vic Fangio. The guy couldn't even switch jobs without screwing up. So I do not. I'm preemptively shooting down all your, oh, you're ripping Jonathan Gannon, and now look at the stats. They're not, yeah, I know they're not going to be as good. I'm telling you, on August 20th, 29th, they're not going to be as good, and it's going to have nothing to do with the defensive coordinator change. All right, I just saw Cliff sign on here. Cliff, did I do that justice? You did that justice, but also people been people have been asking about this, right? Like they've been <laughs> asking about Gannon Watch this whole entire time. And I had one of my homies, you know, he's he's a magician with the with the production, and I had him produce up something for us that we can use all season. Oh, yeah. So give me a second here. Let me let okay. me pull it up on the screen here. Broke while Cliff's pulling it up, Shield, I gotta say, I love it when you start sounding like me, just yelling into the mic, just like losing your mind. Before anybody even says this, I'm saying this other thing. That was very, that was a great Ben impersonation. I, I did loved turn it. into you. You're right. Are right, you guys ready? Hit me. Yeah. All right. This is Gannon Wash. We got the sound drop now. For oh, oh, I thought the there was going to be more. I thought it was big. All right, this is, but I know I do. Okay, so that's the standing. All right, this is Gannon Watch for the season.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will we'll add more onto it, but that's just that's just the okay. intro to all Gannon watches this season. So we're gonna keep a close okay. eye on him for sure. I like it. Joshua Dobbs, come on down. <laughs> what a uh all right. the the uh the it's such a good take. The someone's gonna bring up the Eagles numbers from last year. It'll be like after they play the Chiefs, the Niners, and the Bills in three yeah. consecutive weeks. We will be like Jonathan yeah. Gannon never had a, yes. a month where oh, he yeah. gave up. Oh, this God, like, yeah, guess what John Gannon also <laughs> never did? Play these quarterbacks. 100%. Um, so there yeah, you know. no, that, that, that'll that be one that comes chest. for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's mine. You ready? Yeah. At some point this season, someone will claim the Eagles have the best edge rushing duo in the NFL. Uh, Hassan Reddick. Coming off of a career season, hype for Hassan has never been higher, right? All pro votes last season. I know Eagles fans are really big on him potentially getting that award. There's obviously a ton of really good edge rushers in the league, and so it's tough to get there. The duos as they stand right now, you have TJ Wan, Alex Highsmith, who got a really big extension for the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off of a great year. You have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack with the Chargers. Joey Bosa, obviously incredible. Khalil Mack, not necessarily what he's been uh, in past seasons. You have with the uh, the Browns, you have uh, Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith, who they just signed in, in, in free agency. I know you're a big fan of that duo. 49ers, you have Nick Bosa plus kind of whoever else they've got. Blake you Jackson know? or somebody. Yeah. yeah, they're not. They don't have another guy that's proven. Right. Yet. You have Matt Judon and Josh Uche with the Patriots, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb with the Dolphins, like whatever. I think that Hassan Reddick very quickly puts the Eagles in that conversation because he's one of the, the six, most, six, seven most successful pass rushers in recent seasons. If he has another season like that, then they're already up in the conversation. And then you have Josh Sweat, who just very quietly has been getting better and better week in, week out, or excuse me, not week in, week out, season in and season out over the course of his career, has such a good uh, role, has such a good, good, good skill set for his role where he's long and he can push the pocket and he can prevent the quarterback from escaping and he can be good against the run and he just rounds out a rush where it's like, okay, like Brandon Graham's knifing in and Hassan Reddick's wide around the edge and here comes Sledger Cox with the middle, Javon Hargrave and Sweat's just holding down his side of the line with his strength, with his length. And then he has the ability with that 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 dip rip, right? That club rip that he runs so well to actually get after the passer. He's coming off, what, a 10-sack season, I want to say? 11-sack season, yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you end up with a point where the Eagles' starting edge rushers are both double-digit sack rushers again, uh, and you, you know, let's say like, you know, you're not getting anything out of Highsmith and getting anything out of Mac. I think you're gonna have somebody say like, Hey, this is the best edge rushing duo in football. And if you just keep it to edge rushers. Yeah. I mean, like they have a legitimate case for it. I think that'll give Reddick his time in the, sh- uh, in the sun. Now that he's got the three consecutive 10 sack seasons, deservedly so. And then as well for Josh Sweat, who just chopping wood, getting better week in and week out and is now one of the better edge rushers in the league. Did you say Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence or no? I did not say Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. I think that's I, the leader in the clubhouse. I kind of forgot about them because okay. Michael Parsons <laughs> did, didn't show up on my list of uh, of pass rushers because he's listed as a linebacker and not a defensive lineman. When I did media. And so when I prepped this, I did not think about Michael Parsons. Yeah. They're going to be a tough one to beat, but I hold <laughs> to my take. <laughs> no, that makes it a good take because there yeah. is a really uh, good. Yeah, I'm doing my uh, for those who don't listen next year. Oh, no, that you probably heard it on this uh, podcast. So I'm working on these trade value rankings, basically ranking the 75 players in the NFL who would draw the most in a trade right now. I looked at Josh Sweat and I, I'm like, wait, does Josh Sweat really belong on here? Yes, Josh Sweat's on there. I mean, 26 years old, coming off an 11 sack season. I was looking back, Ben, Frank Clark. You remember when the Seahawks traded Frank Clark to the Chiefs? Oh, yeah. 
They got a first and a second for him. Look at like Frank Clark that season versus Josh Sweat this season. Uh, very comparable. Josh Sweat doesn't have any of the off similar traits uh, too, stuff yeah. Frank similar Clark style. had. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when did the Eagles sign that Sweat extension? Was it last off season? I can't remember, but it's looking like a bargain. It's what thirteen million or something. Yeah. Yeah, at tw- uh, when he was twenty, his- yeah, when he was twenty four years old. So it would have been two seasons ago now, like probably a season and okay. a half. Three years, forty million. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. That's Ooh. some good work. That's a good. That's a good day in the office for the young man, Howie. Uh, so I yeah, mean, Nick Bosa will probably get over thirty million a year. So for mm-hmm. perspective, yeah. Josh so Sweat, Sweat 13, now is. Who would you rather have? Yeah, Sweat's five point eight against the cap this year, nine against the cap next year, and then in twenty five is up as a free agent in his age twenty eight season. Ton of void years on it. So if he's still doing the thing, they're just giving him a couple more years and keeping all that void money where it is. So yeah, Josh Sweat, man, fourth round pick, oft injured, got him here, got mm-hmm. healthy. Recomped the body a little bit, got a little bit bigger, and has just been uh, working. That Matt Burke pass rush school has a huge help for him, man. Shout out Josh Sweat. Yeah, I think we could be saying at the end of the year that Josh Sweat is their best defensive lineman. I, it wouldn't shock me if he outsacked the Sun Red. He could be their best pass rusher. I was I mean, initially has gonna, a pretty yeah. big track record, but it wouldn't yeah, shock. I was me. initially going to go that way with the take, but Eagles fans are mad at me because I didn't put Hassan Reddick on my All Pro list when I made it last year. <laughs> uh, and so I wanted to not not do a take that could be perceived as anti Reddick. Um, but that was an issue where I was going. I've just I've been a Josh Sweat fan for forever. I love the way he rushes. I think he's such a solid player. There you go. All right. Uh, give me one bold prediction about a specific player or the defense as a whole. Uh, I can start again with uh, this one since we kind of flipped it. Uh, how about Christian Ellis leads the team in tackles? Ooh. I don't know. Being bold, you know, if I'm saying he's going to play, uh, he's kind of got that Alex Singleton-ish type. He can just rack up these tackles maybe in this uh, in this defense. He flies around. He's aggressive. Maybe he could be uh, that type of player who would have to beat out uh, N'Kobe Dean, obviously, which this prediction probably would not be a great thing for the Eagles defense as a whole. I think you would want N'Kobe Dean to uh, be their leading tackler, but uh, I said bold. Uh, let's, let's go with that one. What do you got? Uh, James Bradbury leads the league and passes defensed is my, is my, is my take. Now, this is actually not a good take because in the last five years, you yes. know, who's led the league overall and passes defensed? Yes. yes. James Bradbury. <laughs> but it's funny. Like you, I was at, I was on his pro reference page. Uh, and usually when a player has led the league in something, that number passes defense, touchdowns, rushing yards, whatever it is, is in bold. And, and they put that on the table. Let you know, like, Hey, he led the league in this this year. Ain't no bold on, on James Bradbury's sheet. Just 17 passes defense last year, 17 the year previous, 18, 12, 15, 10, 10. Just so consistently productive, but he's never actually had it. And so it does qualify as a bold prediction. Uh, I think that Bradbury, like I, I, we said this so much last season, it's easy to miss because Slay is corner one. It's easy to miss because the, they like traded for Slay and Bradbury was a cap casualty, and so it doesn't feel this way, whatever. But Bradbury is so stinking good on the outside he is an unbelievable corner too he's still uh you know he's he's, uh, he's he was 29 last season so he's coming in and he's over 30 but he still looks like he's got it obviously a high pass defense player really relies on their athleticism so there's a way that the cliff comes quickly for james bradbury but in general like he gets such volume because teams want to avoid slay a little bit more and he is so good at playing into the football and at, at having a nose for it great in zone coverage like I just I, I love, love, love watching him play. I was doing research for a different pod and I came across that stat where he's just led the league and passed the defense the last five years. And I was like, all right, he has to have had like a season of like 24, 25 or something. Right. And no, it's just been rock steady consistent. Yeah. So he's getting 23 this year and he's leading the league. I would say one of my favorite 
seasons on film of every any Eagles cornerback since they released the coaches tape in whatever year that was, yeah. 2012. I mean, like you said, just such a smart, uh, smart player, makes impactful plays. Um, I'll go, you know what? I just looked this up. Last seven years, he came into the league in 2016, Ben. Last seven years, he's first also. Yeah. Guess who's I mean, he's missed. He's missed, what, like seven games over the course of his career or something like that, regular season, right? Yeah, 109 yeah. games he's played in. So he's first with 99 passes defended in the last seven years. I mean, that's an, a pretty impressive career right there. A seven-year stretch where you break up more passes than any other player in football, he probably does not get enough credit for that, uh, that stretch right. that he's had. Do you know... Who do now? Obviously, like the top corners would say, yeah. Well, no one throws at us, so we can't. But you know, people throw at you, and you're making the plays. Do you know who's second on this list, Ben? In passes defensed, I Last just seven looked, years since 2016. I, I just looked. So I'm at going this a little dude. further back than you. I mean, like, is it Slay? It is. Yeah, there you go, baby. How about that? That's wild. Last seven years, yeah. they've got the two top guys. It's so fun to be like, wow, Howie's so good at this. And then you realize that he just got the two corners who had been leading the league yeah, in pass breakups in the last the five years. Page. Yeah, he he breaks like, up a lot of passes. Let's in. get him. <laughs> Don't need to look at anything else. All right. Last question here. Where will this defense rank in DVOA at the end of the season? Now, I had to put out my defensive rankings for the ringer. Ben and I did a, a uh, episode on extra point taken. So those of you who listen to that know that I am more lower on this defense than Ben is. I think they're going to take a pretty significant step back. Why do you say that, Shield? Uh, all the luck and randomness factors, health, schedule, turnover EPA, pressures turning into sacks, like all these things really worked in their favor to a big degree last year and i think it's they might not come back down to earth in all of them but they're going to come back down to earth in some of them i combine that with the quarterbacks they have to face this year that they did not have to face last year i combine that with the fact that you have a pretty significant personnel turnover on defense five or six new starters here and i've got them all the way down to 16th which people were some people were yelling at me at other others said no i can actually uh, see that so i think they're going to drop down to uh, mediocre defense. Now, if that's 11th instead of 16th, that would not shock me. Uh, but I think that's kind of the area you're looking at sort of 10 to 16th. Um, I don't think they're going to be a great defense this year. I think they're going to be mediocre, solid. And the hope is what Ben said earlier, that you just have those stretches against great quarterbacks where you say, all right, the overall numbers aren't as great, but guess what? When this team gets to the playoffs, I think they're going to be able to come up with some creative game plan. So uh, that's where I stand with the defense. Solak, what do you got? I like that. It's mediocre. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's going to be mediocre. Is that what I said? It's mediocre? Yeah. Like a and then you hit it with yeah. the solid. Then he gave us afterward. <laughs> uh, yeah. On our pod where we predicted the top five defenses for the NFL, I put the Eagles at fourth. Uh, we did that on the Ringer NFL show feed. Uh, I, I, I like... I think they're as likely to be outside the top five as they are to be in it, right? They were, I was putting them there, you know, in the projections when you got to write the names down. The thing that it fundamentally comes back to for me is like, we, when we when we use the scope of like, okay, last year into this year, they're going to get less lucky in, in terms of turnovers, in terms of injury, you know, coaching staff change probably is going to bring some instability. They lost a lot of snaps, TJ Edwards and Marcus Epps and Javon Hargrave, and understandably so. Like that, in that scope, that narrative makes sense. If you narrow the scope to like, okay, 
who's got the really good pass rush and the really good coverage because that's what defense is in the league. It's yeah, corners and defensive true. line. It's really hard to look at the Eagles and be like, they're going to be bad. Like, And you're not saying they're going to be bad. You're saying they're going to be uh, about in the middle. Um, but just the the level of talent on this team, I think unless like the injuries are really specific and, and really early in the season, uh, I imagine they're going to have the horses up front to really beat up the bad offensive lines, to pressure the, the young quarterbacks. They have the coverage guys to 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 hang tight and and, and beat up on, on on the bad wide receiver units, the young wide receiver units, the, the the groups that don't have two or three legitimate weapons for you. And then they have a tougher run on the schedule. Um, but they know that's coming, and they, and and they, they still have the talent to to be successful there, right? Like. Uh, I also think I expect Desai to be able to bring something there. I like my I where exactly I'm, I land on Desai. I, I waver on overall, but in general, I do think that he's going to be better for them when they when they face the Cowboys and the Mahomeses and the I agree uh, the the Bills of the world. Um, and so I like them to be a top five defense. I think that's that, that they have a good shot to end up there. They end up at seventh and eighth, and it's because they played a tough schedule and they had a couple more injuries than whatever. But I trust the pass rush. I trust the coverage. Like they they have it built the right way. Let me ask you this. Well, first of all, I agree with that. If Slay and Bradbury, if it's just a slight decline and they stay healthy, and if Jalen Carter's defensive rookie of the year, then you're not going to see much of a chop off from this defense. Is there an area of this defense that you actually think is better than it was last year? Because that's another thing I came down to. I'm like, edge rush, you're probably a little bit worse because Brandon Graham's a year older. Uh, defensive tackle, I think you're worse because you don't have Javon Hargrave. Linebacker, I think you're worse, although you could make the case that they're better there. Corner, I think you're worse because you have two th- older guys uh, and who didn't get injured last year. And then safety, you're worse because we don't even know who's going to be playing at safety, even if you weren't a big fan of Epps. Which of those do you disagree with? Maybe linebacker, you think there's a chance that the biggest chance that they could be better or somewhere else? You think, I, I would say that like the drafting of Nolan Smith Leads me to believe that they're better at edge rusher than they were last okay, year. Okay, right? that's like, fair. No, that's right. Fair. Like, that could make up like, for a little. You say like Brandon Graham's a year older. Graham. Brandon Graham's a year older, but also like Brandon Graham was a year older last year and had like 13 sacks that's for some true. reason. Like Brandon yeah, Graham no, at this point, fair. I'm not. Yeah, you know, he's not on a yeah. he's not on a regular developmental timeline. Our, our young, yeah. our, our our friend You're Brandon right. Graham. Um, so I would say edge rusher, and like that's knowing nothing about Nolan, but still just feeling like edge four. This year is Nolan Smith and not Teron Jackson. I think it was last year, and like I just generally feel yeah. better about that. Derek Barnett, way more upside if nothing yeah. else. Yeah. Um, and then you can argue that corner is better on the semblance of like last year they had. Like I, I was never a huge McPherson guy, and last year they had Job, and it was like okay, this is their young dude, and now this year it's like we have Job and Eli Ricks and Mario Goodrich and Keith Ringo, and again you're doing it in the same way you're doing it with Nolan. You're like okay, just like. Because they have like a, a a a lot of like a lot of unknowns here, there's a chance it's just better than like last year when I looked at the corner two on the depth chart and I was like, ah, I don't know if I like this. I don't feel as strongly about that one. I think that's more of like uh there's more variance in the group this year, so they could be better and they could be worse. Yeah. Flip a coin. But Edge, I would say, is, is stronger this year than it was last year. Edge and defensive coordinator, you could make the case, and yeah. linebackers kind of up in the air. So that that's where I, there's not one that you're like, yes, they definitely got better. Where if your team's in a uh, franchise is in a different state, you're like, no, no, they added this guy. This was a whole last year. They're better. It's not like that, but that's also because they were really good last year and they made the Super Bowl. So that's not going to be the case. All right. That's our defensive preview. Monster episode. Roster breakdown. Woo. Defensive preview. Welcome to the, the season. Last. Welcome to the season. Uh, I'll be back later this week and then Solak will join me. Next week, we'll go on the record with our predictions and we'll probably take a little look ahead at that week one game against the New England Patriots. So thank you to Ben Solak uh, for joining me. Thank you to Ace Producer, 
Cliff Augustine. I'm Shiel Kapadia. We'll talk to you soon on the Ringers Billy Special.